<laughs> Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the inside with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hello, guys. Long time, no see. Yes. Traveling, staying home. All those things. Yeah, yeah. Lots of travel, some stay home. Yeah. I'm headed, headed to headed to Ottawa and uh, Las Vegas next week, and then next week after that, Calgary and Vancouver. So I got a couple more trips before the end of the year. Are you doing uh, AWS? Whatever their reinvent or whatever. Reinvent. I'm gonna say I will be in town at the same time. <laughs> it's like the week of the 14th or something, right? It's very. It's next week. Yeah, it's the one coming up. Oh no, I thought it was like the 14th. No, it's the one coming up. Oh, okay. Well, then I won't be. <laughs> I'll be I will be in Calgary. Uh, I will be far, far, far out of country. I see. No, uh, they haven't closed their doors yet. You still, you're still allowed to go. Uh, no, they've closed their doors, but it's a corporate request, and so ah. the sponsorship can get in. Oh, good. Visit, uh, to visit one of our locations. Excellent. Good to cross cross the water. It's fun. Should be. Should be. Yeah. yeah you just need to. Out. You need to find the test to come back. That's going to be your only challenge. Nope. No challenge there at all. They've already arranged oh. it. Oh, nice. Yep. Do they have a preset for you? Yep. It's cool. When I went to UK. Uh, it was incredibly easy to find a PCR test to come back. It was every single uh, pharmacy, every single drugstore uh, had one. It, you walk in at any time, it, they might be, hey, uh, be a, you know, a 200 square foot place, but they still had a capability to do it. It was awesome. Um, and all results came back in three to five hours. Right? There was no 48 hour windows. It was, they, they do it well in the UK. Did we lose Howard? <laughs> well, he's done. He's, he's done. We did lose Howard. Uh-oh. You know, that's interesting and good to know because I was planning to probably have to head to the UK for some meetings with one of our uh, our teams yeah. for cloud development. Uh, and that was going to be one of my concerns that uh, that we will have to do something. It, very simple, easy walk in. You don't even have to make a uh, make an appointment. You can walk into any place at any time. Oh, cool. Yeah. How are you so back? Guys, yeah, I am back. I we have Howard back. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting, uh, my wireless is right there. Oh. <laughs> we, were just, we were chatting in your absence. So you want to talk <laughs> about people? Yeah. Carlos, transition us. <laughs> people, 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 people. So we're talking about traveling. We're talking about getting PCR testing. But what about when someone just say no? And it's not, it's not no to drugs. It's, hey, no, no more. I need to go. What do you do? Yeah, so it's... um. I think it's the number one thing that the topic of conversation for the last few months for me has really been around this great resignation. And it's within my company and outside my company. 
Um, it's a huge topic of conversation. Um, and I think it's front of mind for most people that are you know, in positions similar to us, those that are in leadership. Um, the way I've described it is it's the first time in industrialized society that universally the employee holds the power, not the employer. Hmm. As far as I know, that's never happened. I could be wrong, but I couldn't come up with a time, right? Even if you look at unionization and kind of the effect that unionization had, um, those were all isolated incidents. There was no globalization of unions right. at the same place at the same time. And that really didn't shift the power to that of the employee, but rather the employee union, which is another organization, right? Um, for the first time, I think we've seen a shift into the hands of the employee, right? And, and it's been so great, it's been called the great resignation. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that some of it is exacerbated by a 2x plus retirement rate during COVID, right? People near retirement that were looking to kind of work for a few more years, add a few more bucks to their retirement accounts, really kind of boost their retirement accounts said, I'm out, I don't wanna deal with this. I'm not working during a pandemic and retired early or early for them, right? So, um, and, and early for statistics, right? So we had, a, we had a greater than 2X retirement rate during COVID. But more interesting than that, and it's not people who don't wanna work, it's people who said, I'm not putting up with whatever it is, right? Insert thing there. I'm not putting up with poor pay. I'm not putting up with poor conditions. I'm not putting up with something that before would have been as simple as coming in the office, but now is no longer simple, right? Um, in, in a lot of cases, people went, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I'm burned out. I don't want to, you know, uh, and so I have a bit of savings. So I'm just going to take a sabbatical. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to do nothing for a year. Right. Um, all of these things, right. All of the kind of myriad of reasons have put us in the position where much like COVID, and we talked about this really early on during COVID. Really early on, we talked about how um, procurement overnight seemed to snap. And it seemed to go from a six-month process to a 90-day process, or a six-month process to a 15-day process in many cases, right? Um, because, well, with everyone being remote and all of this change having to occur, we can't wait 90 days. We can't wait nine months, right, to get, to get tech in the hands of people. We need to do it right now. Um, the problem is we're facing the same thing <clears throat> with employer retention, and I'm not seeing the same snap. I'm not seeing the same change, <clears throat> right? What I'm seeing is HR is built the same way HR is built, finance is built the same way finance is built, um, and I find entirely too often my hands are tied. And, and you see the problem on both sides. So not only are, is your turnover rate significantly higher than it used to be, but it's also difficult to find resources uh, that were willing to work for you at a price you're willing to pay. So like it's both sides of that equation. Not only are you losing a dramatic amount of people, you can't fill them as quickly as you used to be able to. And then in some parts of the region, they're not even showing up once you hire them. Yep, yep, yep. And, and I would say if at all, right? It's, it's not just does it take longer, you just simply may not be able to do it. But, it, but it, it also comes down to, like, like look, um, I have a fiduciary duty to be responsible with the budget that I'm given, be responsible with my PL. 
but it's also not my money, right? Right. So how much I'm willing to pay is what the market demands. I'm not suddenly told, hey, we know it's hard to get people, so we're just going to reduce your workload. We're going to reduce the department's <laughs> responsibilities. Right. No, no one ever says that. Right? Um, but, but that very well may mean I have to go back and go, yeah, I can't, you know, my budget is no longer, is no longer reasonable. Between yeah. supply chain issues um, with the, the silicon shortage, right, which is more than just a chip shortage, right, but, but kind of hard supply chain issues, and then the soft supply chain issues with people, this budget no longer is no longer going to accomplish the job, right? But it also means, well, how do I handle that, right? Um, let's say I have to pay people 20% more than I did two years ago to, retain, to, to hire them. How do I retain people? Once, especially once they know that this is happening and you can't like, like it can't be a big secret. You know what I mean? It's not like, like you can't go, well, I mean, I'm buying, I'm paying them 20% more, but you're already here. Are you envisioning across the board comp increase? I'm envisioning across the, across the board nightmare that I can't do anything about. That's ultimately the, my biggest concern. My biggest concern is, um, I simply don't, I don't have the budget for a 20% cost increase, right? I'm already faced with people who are out of band and, and the bands were written during COVID and they're just wrong. Right. Right. So, so and, do people, and you only people have so want... much OPEX budget. It probably increased by, you know, 3%. If that, that, that would be a good number. Uh, and they expect you to spend more OPEX in a different way. So therefore doing across the board 10% is an impossible feat. Yep. The, are you seeing that the people are looking for money, more freedom, more different opportunities? Like, let's say I was seeing, a, an, and again, I don't know if we can mention names, but I saw a commercial that their recruitment option was like, oh, I want to work at 12 o'clock midnight shift versus someone else, oh, I want to work at a different area. And they say, work the way you want, but be part of our company. So are you seeing that? So yes, but also that shouldn't be new. I want to be really, really clear. In right. the US, we are salaried employees because software developers, and this was specific to software developers, software developers were put on salary and were able to be put on salary because they didn't fit the IRS rules of an employee completely, especially within the, their work could not be set to a daily clock. They didn't right. have daily tasks that had to be done that you could measure them against because they're doing software projects. The software projects are multi-month projects and therefore they would have these spurts of activity and spurts of inactivity. And they shouldn't be penalized for it and the employer shouldn't be penalized for it. And so salaried was allowed. Salaried is allowed when you don't have a set clock to the things that you do. If you can get your job done at 2 a.m. and you prefer to work at 2 a.m., work at 2 a.m. The reality is if I've got salaried employees, I shouldn't care outside of whatever KPIs are set to count the work in a positive way, right? If you're working tickets, Right? You're doing desktop support. I need you there during your shift for desktop support because the entire organization relies on that shift being full. Right. If not, <clears throat> then I should not care as an employer. 
And all of the things you mentioned are all the things that people are asking for. No, I don't want to come into your office. I want the flexibility to work from wherever I'm at. Why? Because during COVID, I was able to show that I could meet and exceed all of the KPIs that were set for doing so. That doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Doesn't that change the skills of leadership, though? Like we that there are some leaders that we've promoted from being practitioners, right? So they're they're intimately aware of what it takes to do the work. However, yep. there are also some leaders to which we're just good people leaders, right? And we've promoted them into that capability. If you let every individual work any hours they wish to deliver, whatever they believe they need to deliver on, isn't that very difficult for that second type of leader who yep. doesn't really know <laughs> the outcomes that need to be produced on a weekly basis? Oh, oh no, it's difficult for both kinds. Yeah. Like, let's be honest, right? It's, it's difficult for the first type because they're not, nat- they're not necessarily heavily experienced people leaders, right? right? right. And so they may, they may fall into the trap of work gets done, the work I knew how to do and know how to do gets done the way I want it to get done because I know how to do it that way. And therefore anyone that doesn't do it that way isn't necessarily producing correctly. Mm-hmm. Right? The big problem that I see there is everyone that's in that position expects everyone that works for them to produce at their level. Right rather than you know, whatever we determine to have been a reasonable metric. And they're not good at creating a metric. Frankly, no one's good at creating a metric. Right? If you ask any of the good people leaders right, that fit in those categories, hey, I need you to come up with KPIs for your department, um, they're likely to tell you no. <laughs> right. Or it'll right? just be a set of tasks. Right? Here, here are the 15 things I need to do on a quarterly basis. Correct. None of which actually aligned to the corporate strategy, none of which aligned to any strategy whatsoever. They're just pure tactical things that are disconnected. Right. But all of this really speaks to a larger issue. And the larger issue is we don't actually care about leadership. Hmm. As corporations, we don't care about leadership, right? And, and we haven't fostered it actively. We, it, it's occurred, Right? I would argue the people on this call, many of our viewers, many of our mentors, many of the people we mentor are capable, excellent people leaders. But they're not that way because their organizations created them that way. Right. They're natural right? born into that. Or, or worked really hard to become it. Right. Right. But it's something they did themselves. MBA programs don't teach you how to be a good people leader. They just, right. they just don't. Right. There's not a college course that does a really good job of teaching you how to lead people. Right. Right. Um, military service doesn't do it. I can't think of anything that teaches you how to lead people in a corporation to accomplish a goal in a fast changing environment where you don't learn it yourself. Right. right. Where you don't invest the time yourself along with along with whatever natural ability, natural talent you have. And, because and, sh- and share that with others. I, the sharing is is also a difficult part. Like we've we've recently presented, you know, our leadership point of views to other leaders, um, and it felt like that was the first time they heard some of this information. You know, that's interesting. And, and, and we and and that one was the response from that one was difficult for me because mm-hmm. we glossed we 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 ran through it so quickly. Right, we covered a lot in a little bit of time. It happens right. with everything that you do, um, especially nowadays. Um, that I felt like we were not even an inch deep, but like a quarter inch deep and a mile wide, 
and thus there should have been no revelations. And yet the response would have me believe a lot of it was new. A lot yes. of it was information. A lot of it was, was you know, revelation. And, and that ultimately we could have spent an hour on any one of the topics that we went into that yeah. would have been equally or equally well received. Right. True. Right. Which just, which just highlights what I was saying, right? Um, we, as companies, we've not invested in leadership. And that's fine when everyone's in the office and that's fine when we measure things exactly the same way we've measured them and we handle employees the same way we've handled them and, and the rules don't change. So back to the topic at hand, I had this very specific conversation on Monday at a dinner with a North American wide CTO uh, and his um, conjecture, his theory, uh, because a good portion of his talented staff that have a tenure of 10 years or greater have been leaving. His uh, storyline is that the pandemic has allowed for naturally introverted people who are perfectly fine day-to-day -day delivering on technology's needs we're not motivated to create a resume, get out of the market, do in-person interviews, you know, hit the streets uh, and look for opportunities, had opportunities come to them virtually. They were able to interview virtually, didn't leave their house. It was a technical interview, so it was easy to get through. And they were able to take these jobs without lifting much of a finger, especially a physical finger outside of their actual home. And that's why a good portion of those highly tenured, you know, uh, steady Eddie technologists have been leaving. Does, does that resonate or do you think that's unique to him? No, 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 I think it absolutely does. I, I, I don't think, that, I think that's the other, the other issue with it though, is there is no silver bullet we can point to. There's no one thing you can point to. Right. Uh, it's, it's, a, it, it's a hurricane, an earthquake, a hailstorm, three tornadoes, flash fires, all at the same place, all at the same time, all with very little explanation. Right. right? What are the chances that all of these things are going to come together all at the same time? Right. The, the exhaustion from eight hours or, or so of Zoom meetings a day. Right. Right. And, and, and that's my day. <clears throat> right. My day is Zoom meetings end to end. Right. Or teams or whatever. Right. Right. Video calls end to end. Um, anytime there's not a video call, you race to get done whatever you need to get done for the next video call you're presenting on, or you just sit and go, oh. <laughs> right. Right. And so, how do you manage burnout? Okay. So, so let's say everyone is experiencing some level of burnout. Right now, add a layer to that where I have a leader that that was never taught to be a leader. I don't necessarily know that people are going to see it that way, but they were never really taught how to be a leader. Right. Um, right. And my one-on-ones are basically my leader questioning everything that I've done to determine whether I'm worth keeping on or not. That's how they make me feel. Then I haven't received a raise in like four years because that seems to be relatively common. Then you know, I'm really uncomfortable with how my company is handling COVID uh, any which way, mm -hmm. right? Um, they're overreacting, they're underreacting. 
They're forcing me to do something I don't want to do. They're not enforcing things I wish they would do. Right. Whatever your particular your your particular viewpoint is, that's not what I'm trying to get into. But but you're uncomfortable with what they're doing. You're unhappy with what they're doing. You don't really feel interested and engaged. And 73 times a week, a recruiter calls you. Right. Right. And it's no longer do I take the crappy job the recruiter offers for 2% more money, but rather they're offering me 40% more money at seven different companies and I can have my pick of those companies. Right. And my lifestyle doesn't have to change. I don't have to leave the house. Correct. And, and every single one of those is I can work yeah. from home. Whereas my current employer, the one that I've invested time in, is saying I must come back to the office even when I'm perfectly comfortable working from home. Plus, right. everything has shifted so much that now I've got child care, I've got people care, I've got whatever care that requires a more flexible schedule than I ever had before. And again, somehow it worked for 18 months and now it no longer works. I'm confused why that is. Right. And no one can give me a decent answer. Right? The it's in all of these things that come together. Is the increase in compensation a supply demand issue or simply a requirement to have a 10 year plus person leave an existing organization or is it no both? no i think it's both because i'm i'm seeing it in people that are that are not 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 10 years right i'm seeing it in right. people that are that only have a, a a very short tenure are still being offered 20 30 40 50 percent more than they're making now right because that's what it takes for them to leave but there's also the skill set problem where there's you need a bunch of skill sets that are rarely existing and when you find that unicorn they're twice as much as you expect them to be oh yeah yeah you need some you know data engineer with python and java and two years of gcp that that that's a unicorn that's hard to find and when hard you find them they're half a million dollars when you so, find so them you just, mentioned, you just mentioned something interesting that unicorn was not built probably within the company. He probably took some, I'm going to call it personal leadership and saying, hey, I want to learn this piece because I had an interest. And then all of a sudden he became more valuable to the company. And then that's why then they call him because he started doing other things. Do but, you but see that? That become valuable, more valuable to the company. Right. I've got a bunch of people that work for me that they're they've developed skills that we don't use at all because they thought it was interesting. Right. Attractive right? to other the companies, company. just not attractive to your company. So that's what I was going. Shouldn't then the company be looking at those skills? I'll give you an example. I don't consider myself a marketing genius, but I saw a long time ago that for different companies that I work for, we needed to learn to market internally our vision the way that external companies do it. Now I have a different skill set that is not within the IT wheelhouse. But when I get on a meeting, I go, but are we doing this for external? And they look at me with eyes like, uh, how the heck does he know that? And we don't. And again, so we're hearing you that we, we had a similar challenge with one of our guys uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm listening to you. Will helping with coaching or somewhere else 
help those, I don't want to call it unicorns, but those great employees that may be within your team so they don't get to that point of the burnout or that they don't even want to talk to you and they're like, bye, I'm leaving. What do you do to try to help that process so they don't get there? Well, I, again, I don't think there's an easy answer. And the challenge is the, the right answer is hard work, right? The right answer is your company has to remove stay in your swim lane from their vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And we it has that to all be way easier to introduce new technology. Yeah, so, so Carlos, as you're saying, everybody is getting new certifications on interesting things that are readily available now. Most large organizations are not implementing those new available technologies. So therefore they don't get to implement those skill sets and they want to move to somewhere who does. Awesome. Big problem there is that those organizations have a hard time introducing new technologies. How are we going to affect change there? That, that is a difficult answer. Well, well and, and I, I think it comes down to, do you inspire the people who work for you? Do you inspire your peers to do the same? Right. Because those are two places that you could actually start. Sure. Right. Um, I started doing one-on-ones with, with line employees, right? I don't have any line employees that report direct to me. Directors report to me, right? So, um, but I started doing one-on-ones with, with my line employees, right? Um, as often as I possibly can. Generally, it's one a month. You know, like they get, they, I, I do it monthly. Right. for each of them. Um, that's helped enormously, right? Some of my hypos that were a little frustrated, um, all of a sudden they're like, wow, getting an hour a month with you means I know where the, what direction the company is going. I feel inspired. I learn something and it's just a chat, right? right? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't even ask them like, what's the status of your projects? None of that, I, they don't report to me. Right, right. Their leaders or their leaders' leaders in most cases, I may ask, but that's not why I'm on the phone with them. What do right. you want to talk about? What do you? What questions do you have? Right. Some of them we talk. We'll talk video games. We talk home labbing. We talk movies. We talk like whatever. Right. We'll talk books. You know. You know me. I've got a wide range of topics I can discuss. So <laughs> wide range. As long as they're not like, hey, let's talk about football last week, then I'm good. Right. <laughs> You're like, hey, did you see the Braves game? No, I did not. <laughs> Nor will I ever. You draw the line of football. No football talk. No, no sports of any kind, really. Unless, unless it's sports featured on a television show or movie. Right. And then only within the fictionalized version of that sport that appears in the television or movie. Right. Yeah. I was so surprised was, about that football. Yeah, a friend was talking about. Um, Oh, we went to go see the last Rapids game. Rapids is the Denver soccer team. Okay. I did not know that they were the Denver soccer team. So when he said it, I went, I know NFL, NBA, baseball. I don't know. The, the Rapids are not that. So it must be. So I said, and I knew hockey. And I, so I said, is it, is it, is that soccer or lacrosse? Cause I, it, he's like hey. soccer. Oh, sweet. I'd love to go see a game. Oh, we should go sometime. Cool. Let's go. Oh, well, it has to be next season. Oh, well, I won't be here next season. So <laughs> that's, it. that's all I know about soccer. We've now done 100% of my understanding of the sport. Oh, and I, said, I said, I only know what appeared in Ted Lasso. And he goes, yeah, put the ball in the goal. That's all you need to know. All right. 
That's yeah. literally all I know. And many games, no balls go in any goals. <laughs> right. <laughs> nil, and nil. Somehow it's still exciting. So yes, you got me. <laughs> yeah. The goals. I'm entire. So he, here's the only thing that you should know: entire countries going to depression when their team loses. Right. I'm like, well, the problem is really? you need more than one team. Like, like that, that might be part of that way. Your team always, one of your nation, national teams always wins. So, what's so then, our recommendation then to keep the people we want to keep um, and hire the people we need to hire? Invest in the people you want to keep. Just start by investing in the people you want to keep. Yeah. Like the fact is, you cannot afford to lose your high performers. The only way you're going to ensure you don't lose your high performers is to invest your time in those high performers. Mm -hmm. And you're still going to lose some. I lost one last week. Right? Yeah. But I know for sure I've retained seven. I know for sure. Right? Spend time, spend energy, spend some money. Right? You got to do all Correct. of those things in order to retain those resources. Correct. Yes. Do you make something fun, completely different for them to as part of that retention or do you think that it only should be corporate standard like if you have stock if you have uh salary uh or yeah. any or conferences no i think you need to be open okay. right and and it's going to vary from person to person right some people right. they're they're financially driven so they want more money some people they they want to be engaged some people they want exposure to the to the executive level yeah. right they just don't want to feel like they're adrift And, I think and that's the people, most important part. It, you can't do this programmatically. This isn't an HR program, right? This isn't a PowerPoint I'm going to have to put together. This is figuring out who those top 20 people are, whatever the number is, and individually creating an experience that will want them to stay. Yep. And, and ultimately, those are, the, those are the rats deserting the sinking ship. Right. When hypos start leaving, first off, they follow each other. Mm-hmm. And second, all the other hypos leave, right? right. When low performers leave, people breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, right. Let's be honest, right? Hey, everybody knows on their team who they believe that the low performers to be. They know better than you do who their who their fellow low who their low performers are on their on from their fellow teammates. When yep. those people leave, they go, "Oh, thank God, I don't have to deal with that anymore. I can get something done. Maybe we get somebody better in." But in the meantime, at least I get some relief. Right. When hypos leave, the other hypos go, I don't want to take over that work. I got to go too. So on the other side, how do you attract those skill sets you need in your organization without you know, blowing away the, your average salary or now putting yourself in a position where your existing staff aren't paid as much as they should be? Yeah, is, I, I think, again, you have to get involved. Yeah. Right. Um, I think if you're if you're the CIO and you're not interviewing the the, the new hires that are coming in, right? Um, I, I think that's a problem. Mm. I, I think um, I think it's about still about investing time. And oftentimes we don't have a ton of time to invest, but I still think you're going to have to figure it out. Right. I think yep. you're going to have to make time. Right. I think um, a lack of servant leadership is part of the problem. The fact is, without our employees, we're not worth a damn thing. We're not getting anything done, yeah. right? We're not, we're, not, we're not the ones producing the output that, that pays the bills, 
right? We're enabling the employees who do. And part of that means investing our time directly with them. And, and that goes into recruiting. Yep. I, I think that's a very key recommendation is as CIOs, CTOs, as leaders, we're used to interviewing people who report to us, right? Senior people in the organization. And while we still have to do that, in addition, we need to also interview new skill sets, new capabilities, potential high performers we want to hire. That has to be added to the types of inter interviews we do, regardless of where they are in the hierarchy. Yeah, that, that, that's a good and interesting change. I, I definitely, as a recommendation, there's a book that I love called Leaders Shift, the shifting that you have to do on the leadership and how you're used to doing things. Um, it actually helped me a lot through everything and looking at everything that we're talking. Uh, it's important for a leader to understand, hey, what if they haven't learned to do that for themselves? Because I was hearing you both talk, what if the top leader is also the one struggling that they don't know where to go? They're getting called. So because they're getting called and all these people, hey, we have these great things their focus that should be in how do we guide this whole team to be high performing his it's not that you don't answer the calls but there is like that balance you go okay let me learn about what the market is having for me but how do i keep this piece fo this place focused so we can move forward yeah it's um well, it's it's the it's the biggest challenge. I mean, ultimately, so so the Simon Sinek quote is um, a boss has the title, the leader has the people. Uh, I, I would say the COVID shift, the great resignation, you were not in management, you were in leadership. Mm. Change your focus to being that of leadership, not that of management. Don't worry about managing the day-to-day -day task. Worry about the leading the people who do those tasks. Right. Right. And 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 I would say clear across the board, right? Um, we need to really be better at leadership. And leadership also a big part is delegation. Right. Make sure you have people in place that you can delegate tasks to that aren't leadership. Prioritize leadership over everything else. If you spent eight hours doing budgets and that eight hours needs to be spent in those one-on-ones with your hypos, you need to be able to delegate as much of that, of that other eight hours as you can. Hire somebody that can do it. Delegate it. Right. Yeah. Frankly, retention is the number one job today. Retention and acquisition, number one job today. Yep. Right. Agreed. And Entirely. so if you're not focused on that, refocus on that. And, and sometimes the one-on-ones need to be with your HR partner, right? I have a one-on-one -on -one with my HR partner every other week. Right. Right. And now I'm going to have to have one-on-ones with my finance partner every other week. Right. Because that's the other challenge, right? I have an employee that, that has to be retained. I need to retain them. All of us do. If yeah. I go to HR and say, hey, H, or if I go to HR and say, hey, I want to, I want to give this person 50% more pay and a double, a, two bumps in, in um, band. Yeah, they're going to say no. Right. Pol policy Why? suggests finance you will never that. approve it. Yeah. Well, what do I do then? Okay, cool. I'm going to lose the person. Then I'm going to repost the job at the level 
that I need it to be at anyway so that I can pay the next person what they need to be paid. Like I'm not gaining anything. Right. Plus they're not going to know my environment and the choice I want currently works for us. Yeah, but <laughs> right. finance is not going to do it. You're going to have a year's loss of productivity in that Correct. decision. Bare yeah. minimum. Yeah. Right. So you, you don't, you know, that's it. That's it. Invest your time. Right. right? Your people, HR partner, finance partner, invest your time. And, and your recruiter, which may or may not be the same person as your HR business partner. True. True. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know how many, how many people spend time with the, their external recruiter, mm. but that's a really good point, Paul. Spend, spend some time, like really yep. dig in. These are the, these are the, the candidates I want to see. These are the things right. I want you to look for. Like this is a job description and that, that's good, but the job description should not be what, what my recruiter is focused on. My recruiter should be focused on the things I care about, which doesn't necessarily align with the job description. Right. Because I only care about these four things. And parts of the requirements that you're willing to give up, right? right. So yeah, I can't, every, everything I just told you is very unicorn, but um, here are the things I'm willing to give on. I'm willing to train on the job for. They don't have right. certification in this. Awesome. That's the first three months I'll get them to do it. No problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that way, that's almost an enticing feature for somebody who's coming aboard. It's like, oh, I don't actually do any work. You could just, you just need me to learn when I start. Yes, it's exactly what I need you to do. Yeah. Yep. There there's also the DI, DNI component, right? Diversity and inclusion component, right? And talking to recruiters, I was like, okay, look, you have to move female candidates to the, to the top of the list. I need to see them. Right. Yeah, but they don't have the same qualifications. You are correct because a woman will only apply if they meet 100%. A man will apply if they, if they meet 70. Right. Right. Women have to have a very high level of confidence in their skills. Men do not. Yeah. What are the chances that everyone I interview is going to interview to 100% of their resume? It's very slim. <laughs> right. Very. Right. So I need some balance in there. I can't keep seeing the same candidates over and over again. I need some diversity. Right. This is important so my team becomes well-rounded. This is not this is not you know throwing throwing darts at a policy. This is I I have to have more than one opinion in the damn room. Right. Um, we've talked about that before. Right. And and the only way you're going to get there is to talk to the recruiter. Otherwise, you'll never see the candidates. And you won't be able to hire them, and your DNI dies on the vine. Exactly. Right. You never get the value from that. So so really, if you're not if you haven't already been spending time with your recruiter, now is a good time to start. Carlos. Good conversation. Well, that was a good chat. As always, my friends, understanding your people is the reason why we're here, trying to connect, to interact with them, because they are the last, like Howard mentioned, they are the ones that help us move forward the company. That's the reason why we're employed. Like Howard mentioned, we're not the ones doing all the day-to-day -day task work. We're inspiring them, helping them to move forward so we can achieve the goals for the company. So make sure that you share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode.